Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the River Heights Buzz podcast. We're on episode 78 today. We are your hosts. I'm Alexa. And I'm Candace. And we have a special guest with us today who has been on the podcast before. Welcome, Bree. Hi. Thank you guys for having me again. I'm so excited. We're glad Great that you're here. That. Today we will be talking about mystery story number 43, the mystery of the 99 steps. We have no news really, so we'll just jump right into the episode. The description of the book reads, Nancy must search for a flight of 99 steps to solve the mystery of a friend's weird dream. Her search leads her to France, but before leaving the United States, a sinister man called Monsieur Neuf warns the young sleuth not to pursue her mission. While in France, Nancy and her father investigate a wealthy financer who has been frightened into selling large amounts of securities. Startling discoveries convince the girl detective that Carson Drew's case and her own mystery are linked by the 99 steps. It was first published January 1st, 1966. The author was Harriet Adams, the plot outline was done by Harriet Adams, and the editing was done by Harriet Adams and Jocelyn Starzik. There's only one version of the text and it is still in print today with 176 pages. The one and only US cover art was painted by Rudy Nappy. This book seems to actually have been inspired by Goldfinger, and the title was probably taken from The 39 Steps by John Buchan, or the Alfred Hitchcock movie version, The 39 Steps. Although Harriet Adams claimed to be revising earlier books to take out racial stereotypes, this book does consist of racial stereotypes towards Arabs, and I'm hoping that's the correct term to use these days. If it isn't, I sincerely apologize. I did try to look it up ahead of time to see what the correct term was, and I couldn't really find a clear answer. So again, if that is not correct, please forgive me. On a lighter note, let's get back to Candace, Alexa, and Brie. So I don't know about you all, but for me, it was kind of difficult to follow at times. Yep. Yes. Um, <laughs> there were just a lot of details and, you know, we're trying to figure out if Carson's mystery has to do with the one that Nancy's handling and it, it kind of moved back and forth quickly at some parts and it made it difficult for me at least to follow along. And I'm gonna be honest, I did not get a chance to finish this book. I made it to chapter 14, so I'm gonna do the best that I can. And then hopefully you two will be able to help fill in the gaps. But let's go ahead and, and jump into the beginning part of the book. Nancy wants Bess and George to go with her to France to help solve some mysteries. Uh, Carson has a confidential mystery that he's working on that has to do with a case, and Nancy has a case that she's working on that has to do with a woman having a weird dream. Um, so Josette Blair is having this recurring dream of being blindfolded uh, and like being about to fall. Um, with a voice whispering to her something about 99 steps. This poor woman. We learn that she just lost her husband and son in a car accident. Uh, she's kind of going through a lot, and now she's having these recurring dreams. And so Nancy's going to try to figure out what's going on and why these dreams are happening. So they're going to be staying at uh, a chateau in France. Uh, the two girls that live there, their names are Marie and Monique, and they're visiting family in the States. So they're kind of doing a house swap. The girls are going to stay at the Drew residence and Nancy and Bess and George are going to go and stay at the girls house. Nancy is telling the story in front of the fire when all of a sudden they hear a helicopter outside 
And then it must have gone over the house because the fire and soot flew all over the room and Nancy. I wrote in all caps, the helicopter ruined her outfit. <laughs> this whole scene confused me. Uh, yeah, I don't even understand how that works. <laughs> I just, I mean, I don't know helicopters, though. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, I know that air regulations, you have to fly at a certain height, you know, to avoid buildings and, and things like that. But, and maybe this doesn't exist back then, but I would, I would have thought that um, there would be some kind of like a safety screen or something in the fireplace to avoid so. things like this. You would think so. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, or they could have had one, but when Nancy was fixing the fireplace, she could have had to move it to the side. Maybe. So. Maybe. I, I don't know when those were existed. I mean, I assume that when this book was written, you said in the 60s? Yeah. I would assume that something like that in some capacity would exist, but I mean, I don't know. And I was just very confused by this whole scene because, um, you know, the girls help Nancy and make sure that she's okay. And then... Um, we learned that Mrs. Blair got a letter saying to tell no one about the 99 steps and it was signed by uh, Monsieur Neuf. Please ignore my accent because I can't speak French. Um, translates to Mr. Nine in English. Um, so if there's one point in the book, I don't remember where it is, but they, cause so the twins that we meet soon, it's their aunt Josette. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. So how they say it is Tanta. Tanta means aunt. Oh, okay. So the, oh. reason, the reason I know this is because my mom's side of the family is from Belgium and they have, I guess, like some Frenchy Flemish kinds of words, like obviously that they use. And so Tanta means aunt. So Tanta Josette. I don't know if I'm saying like, obviously it's a French name. Um, so I like back, like my aunts and stuff would be like, like say Tanta Julia, Tanta Simona, like that kind of thing. So if that's where it kind of translates to. Okay, cool. That's good to know. Yeah, I had no idea. The, and also the way you said new, new earlier, I was like, oh, this girl speaks French. <laughs> yeah, it's so yeah, it's very obvious uh, that she yeah. does. <laughs> and we're like, uh, new. <laughs> and even like, I obviously had to learn French in school, but it's like, I never, I obviously did it up to grade nine, but not afterwards. Um, but it's like some stuff I'm like, okay, I kind of remember how to say some of this stuff. <laughs> it sounds much better than we did. Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. So poor Nancy, she goes upstairs and she gets cleaned up and then they have dinner and then dinner was interrupted by a knock at the door. And so Nancy goes to answer it, but she's still on guard, you know, which is good. I mean... It's always good to be safe when you don't you're not expecting someone at your house um and so she you know carefully answers the door and a masked man hands her an envelope with just a single sheet of paper in it that says to stay out of france mm -hmm. and it's signed by mr nine which translates to monsieur neuf yes yeah so somehow Someone knows that she plans on going to France. Um, Nancy calls Mrs. Blair and tells her what happened and asks her to stay with Hannah and uh, Marie and Monique. Um, 
and Mrs. Blair wanting to be independent says, you know, she'll think about it. But Nancy, you know, she's got her best interest at heart and wants her to be safe. At this point, she's worried that Nancy's going to get hurt. But, you know, Nancy's always on the case. And the the fear or threat of being hurt never stops Nancy. Um, so she returns to the dinner guests and tells them what happened. And the girls offer to leave, but Nancy tells them no. She wants them to stay. After that dinner, Bess and George were there as well still during the dinner. And so Nancy takes them home. And when they're alone, that's when Nancy can tell them about uh, what Carson's case is. And so we find out that his case has to do with a French financier named Charles LeBlanc. Um, something weird is going on with Charles. He started selling off large holdings of stocks and bonds, which threatens the future of the company that he's in charge with. Um, so his business partners want Carson to figure out what happened that is making Charles make these financial decisions that impact all these other people. Nancy then drops the girls off and she starts heading home when a man with a limp walks in front of her car and tries to get her to stop saying that he was sick. That's and so it just weird. That is so scary. Like, don't ever, <laughs> don't ever pull over for someone like that because yeah. you don't know people's intentions. I mean, you might feel bad thinking that someone might really need help, but how are you going to know? Yeah. she. I mean, she did the right thing. She just called the police. Mm-hmm. But what did he, what was he going to get out of that? That's where I was, I was very confused by this. Like, mm-hmm. if, she pulled, if she pulled over and helped him, what was he going to do? I don't know. And it just so happened to be the same guy that dropped the letter off earlier at her house. Yeah, very creepy. After Nancy had alerted the police, she went home. And later on, she found out that the person took off. So it most likely was just a ruse to try to get her out of the car. And then who knows what could have happened. Um, so the next day she has Marie and Monique go with her to try to find out information about the helicopter from the night before. Um, So they finally find uh, someone to speak to at the airport. And he was like staring at the girls. (laughs) I thought that was a funny little tidbit in there. Um, And I was very confused about this part. He said that a helipad was going to be put on Nancy's roof and that a person by the name of James Chase had asked this guy to fly low over the house so that he could look at it. And the description of the man, James Chase, is the same as the masked man from earlier. Yeah, why would anybody ever believe a helipad was going to be put on a residential home? And and knowing most houses nowadays, they're not like flat roofs. No. They have like the point. Yeah. So how can that happen? I was very confused. I was like, if that whole thing is a fabrication, that's like a horrible lie. Like you could have come up with something better than that. And knowing this pilot and he knows, you would think he knows all these rules and regulations about how low to get. Mm -hmm. Why would you do that in a residential area? Yeah. Like, And again, I don't, what was even the purpose of it? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Just to get, like, to do some, oh, I mean, I guess they could have started a fire, but were they that serious? I don't know. I don't know. And, like, how could they overhear what was going on? Because, I mean, you all both know how loud helicopters are. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole thing was a little fuzzy for me, but, yeah. Okay, I'm willing to look past it. Um, so, they find out all the information that they can, and so they decide that they're going to go. 
And as Nancy and Marie and Monique are talking, they believe that they know um, this man that they're talking about and that his name is not James Chase. The girls think that it's a man named Claude who was a gardener for a friend that they knew, but he was fired for theft. Okay. Mm. So the girls decide that they're going to go to the police and explain, you know, what was going on. And they had, this is what gets me. They have the girls wire France for his last name so they can find out what it is. And how can they get a reply that fast? Yeah. They're like, Who are they sending it to? Yeah. Like, uh, Okay, so very quickly they get a response that um, Claude's name is Aubert. I guess that's how you pronounce it. I'm going to be kind of Frenchy here. I was going to say, I feel like there's a... There's yeah, a please go ahead. I, I, obviously, Candice, you said Aub, it's Aubert, what you that's, said? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you pronounce the T or not. I would say Claude or Claude Aubert, because I think that the T is supposed to be silent. Okay. I think. Maybe. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, it sounds more French. Yeah. I don't know. That's just my... T- if you if I randomly jump in with, like, different pronunciations, don't mind me. No, that's that's fine, because I'm just sitting over here making it sound like a dumb American, so it's fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Later on, Bess calls Nancy at the house, needing her to perform in some kind of show. <laughs> Again, so random. There's so many random things that happen. But Nancy can't go because she hasn't finished packing for France yet. And she says that she had promised to go see Mrs. Blair as well. So she convinces Marie and Monique to go. You know, that's fine. Just throw the the two new girls, you know, not even from this country, just out to the wolves and make them sing and dance. <laughs> but okay. Nancy convinces Hannah to go and watch as well. I guess, you know, the comforting face in the crowd. Meanwhile, Nancy goes to meet Mrs. Blair and she tells Nancy that there was a diary that she had found and it talked about the chateaus that she had gone to, but she didn't have any idea where the 99 steps were that it keeps being referenced in the dreams that she's having. And so Nancy spends some time with her and learns a little bit more about these dreams. And then she leaves Mrs. Blair's house and she goes to the show. And while she's there in the crowd, she realizes that Claude is there and she's got to do something about it. Like he's been doing some shady stuff Got to figure out why. Some plainclothes detectives come up and Nancy realizes um, that this guy walked away and he didn't have a limp like he had earlier. Which I don't understand why either. Why do you Like what I've seen in shows and stuff, people obviously have disguises and they do different things to make people not recognize them. And maybe having the limp would be like, oh, okay, we'll just like look for someone that has a limp, but the one they really don't to kind of throw off the police. Yeah. So maybe that's why he did it. That makes that makes more sense. In my head, I was like, I think he just enjoys walking this way. <laughs> um so Claude starts walking towards the stage and he went through a a doorway that apparently is like an exit to the parking lot. And Nancy and these plainclothes detectives went chasing after him. But then right at that time, there was a screen behind the stage. So Nancy decided to go and see what happened. And it was Monique. And apparently Claude had threatened Monique and Marie and said that if they let Nancy go to France, they'd all suffer. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So, okay, lots of threats. Um, once Monique is okay and calmed down, uh, Nancy goes to find the detectives, but they're gone. So she heads home with the girls and Hannah, and she calls the police station, and the detectives apparently hadn't shown back up, and Claude wasn't there. This is another book where it's like the police are called like five million times. <laughs> yeah, it's true. They're called a bunch. Yeah. Um, so with all the activity that's happened so far, Nancy thinks, hmm, it's probably a good idea if we keep our burglar alarm on, which honestly, that is a great idea and probably should be kept on all the time. Yeah. Why? <laughs> that was another thing. Why would they just not always have it on knowing their history? <laughs> Yeah, seriously. I mean, even if Nancy didn't, wasn't involved in mysteries with Carson's job, I mean, yeah. it's probably just a safe thing to have. And another so. thing, too, is like there's been a few times that Carson has forgotten his keys, so he's had to go through the window of his office. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Carson. So, like, there should be another set of house keys somewhere, I feel like, you yeah. know, just in yeah. case. Yeah. Yeah, like a key hidden outside under a rock or under the doormat or something like that. Or That's, like a, a pot or something. I feel like under the mat, under a rock or under like the pot or something, those are the three common places I feel like people put their extra keys. That's true. Yeah. So, they have those the, like rocks that, I mean, they probably didn't have them back then, but the ones that they're not real rocks and you can put your key in it. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen those before. I don't know when those were invented. I'm not sure. The evening kind of goes on. Nothing exciting happens. They all go to bed for the night. And then later on, the alarm goes off. Because, of course, it does. And so Nancy rushes to see what happened. And it's the detectives with Claude. So I'm like, why did the alarm go off? Because I think that Claude was trying to get like, to Jimmy one of the windows open. Okay. Okay. So the detectives have him and he's refusing to talk. Won't say anything. So they take him to the station, obviously. And Nancy's, you know, thinking, okay, things are good. Going to go back to bed. And she's having a dream about this Mr. Nine character when she starts hearing like, the sound of bells in her dream, and she realizes that the alarm is going off again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so everyone gets up and starts searching the house. They found a window that was opened, but no footprints outside. But there are weird prints that look like stilts. <laughs> and how big were these stilts? I don't know. Does it say, like, I'm assuming it's a first floor. Is it a first floor window? I think so. I think so. So I don't know why. I mean, I probably just to make different footprints. Yeah, that's all I can think of. Like, but this is so random. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. So, um, of course, the police are called again. We should be like, so annoyed. <laughs> if we, it's like, now that the police are going to be called this much, we should, like, keep a tally or something and we do a final count at the end of the book. I know. I know. 
if caller ID had existed back then, I could imagine all the cops saying, oh, man, it's the Drews again. All right, who's going to answer it this time? And they, like, draw straws or something. <laughs> or if it's like, if someone's already went, they're like, I'm not doing it again. Someone else not, will. No, knows. Not doing it. <laughs> Nancy and Hannah search outside, and they don't see anything for the longest time. And then they finally get, I guess, around to the front of the house, and they find that someone had put a sign in her car saying, beware the green lion, which was apparently one of the alchemy codes that Mrs. Blair had talked about in that diary. And it made me think of Curse of Blackmore Manor a little bit. <laughs> the alchemy. Yeah. Um, and, like, for this, like, obviously we talk about, like, the different metals and it changes color and stuff. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden I just thought about the, what's that statue called? The Statue of Liberty in New York. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And, like, how it changed color, I think, I read somewhere. Yeah, because it, ox- it oxidized. It went from, like, I don't know what it was originally, but it's not supposed to be green. I think it was copper. It might have been copper. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah that's why pennies turned green. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. I'm looking at it now. That makes sense. Yeah, because the Statue of Liberty was a gift from France, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was, actually. Yeah. The Statue of Liberty is an iconic blue-green symbol of freedom. But did you know she wasn't always that color? When France gifted Lady Liberty to the U.S., she was a 305-foot statue with reddish-brown copper skin. Her color change is thanks to about 30 years' worth of chemistry in the air of New York's, of the New York City Harbor. Yeah, makes sense. So that's, I saw this off the American Chemical Society that website. <laughs> Just a little blurb. So is that what they're saying when they keep talking about turning the gold green? I'm guessing so. It's mm. a good question. I guess after that, everybody goes to bed. And the next morning, Nancy gets up and gets ready to head to the airport so that she can head to France. Oh, um, did we mention that the police were called again? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and so she updates Bess and George on everything that's happened so far. Um and why would Nancy say this on the plane? I don't know. It is kind of weird. Like, she <laughs> asked George to get up and, like, sit on her uh, arm of her seat. And it's like, like, if someone tries to do that, like, even if the seatbelt lights are off, like. You'll get yelled at. <laughs> yeah, it's still, like, a, a, not necessarily a fire hazard, but I don't know what else to call it. Like, it's a safety concern. Yeah. Well, it was weird when they said they got in the first, it sounded like, and maybe I read it wrong, but they got in like a four person plane and then went to New York and then got in like a, to get to New York and then got in a big plane to go to France. Yeah. It definitely sounded like a a small plane at first. Yeah. I I didn't even know they had like four person planes for like (laughs) commercial. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's weird. Um, and that's the thing, like, when we're reading these books, it's really hard for me to picture when these books are written because it's like, I don't know, because obviously it wasn't alive back then. So I don't know what they had and what they didn't have. And so all of my like preconceived notions are based on like today's world. So it's hard for me to kind of visualize what they're talking about in the books. I don't know if you all kind of see it that way or not. Yeah. No, I agree. It's because, yeah, I just have this preconceived notion of where they are in time. And I think it was like when we were doing the episodes for um, the the show, 
I remember they talked about the like computers. And even then I was like, they had computers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you don't, you're not part of that era. You didn't grow up during that time. You don't know what they had and what they didn't have. Yeah. So it's hard. Um, but they eventually get to France and they meet Carson and he starts taking them sightseeing. And so they go to, uh, I'm going to say it the American way. They go to Notre Dame. Hey, don't worry. I say, I say Notre Dame. Okay. I usually say Notre Dame when I'm talking about the college. I say there's a, a Notre Dame here in America. They go um, and start exploring and they're going up this set of steps to one of the towers and Nancy is counting the steps to see how many there are and a large woman starts coming down the stairs and essentially knocks practically knocks them down the stairs. That was the most out of pocket thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Very strange. Um so yeah, know. there was there was no point to it. It wasn't like anything sinister. No. It was just a, a larger woman. And then I think at one point they were like, oh, hopefully we never run into anybody. It was like really inappropriate. Yeah. I think it was, I, I like had to quote it. It was, they sincerely hope they would not meet any more overweight persons on the steps. Yeah. Like that's so messed up. <laughs> yeah. And well, that's something that Alexa and I talk about a lot because it's like, they're always dogging Bess on her weight. Oh yeah, they do. And like every time they bring up food, they're like, oh, you couldn't even, like even Bess wouldn't eat that. Mm-hmm. Same to me, anything. Yeah. It's always referenced. Yeah, they're not exactly the the most, uh, I don't even know how to describe Like, it's just not nice. Sadly, that wasn't uncommon for the time. But also, you'll notice with that and in general, books that Harriet Adams wrote are always going to be a little weirder in many aspects. It's very, I don't know, I, I tend to dislike the books she wrote more than others. Weird thing is, is whenever there's obviously like the there's pictures sprinkled throughout the book, whenever they show Bess, she doesn't look all that much bigger in size than Nancy and George. No, no, she doesn't. So, like what I don't understand, like obviously everyone's body size is different. I understand that, but why do they portray Bess like the same small waist than like everyone else? I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. After that, they make it up to the tower and they look out at the scene of Paris, which I'm sure that that's a beautiful sight. Um, And so they're just, you know, taking in the scenery and enjoying it when Nancy sees someone that looks like Claude, I guess, down on the ground. And Carson then wonders if maybe he had made bail and then left the country. So Nancy and Carson go and call the police, (laughs) go and call Chief McGinnis. And he's like, nope, Claude's still here. He's still in jail. Hasn't made bail. Uh, You know, it's not him. So that makes Nancy think that Claude either has a brother or possibly like a twin um, or some kind of relation that looks like him. So Nancy, of course, wants to start following this guy because that makes sense. Someone that you don't know, you don't know if they could potentially be dangerous. In a foreign yeah. country. Let's go follow them. Just see what happens. 
they and Carson was all about it by the way he was like oh yeah go chase them I can't yeah. keep up with you guys but you you go yeah yeah send the younger ones <laughs> <laughs> so after a while um they start heading to lunch and then Bess sees this person that's like crouched behind a lamppost and I'm thinking lampposts are skinny like yeah <laughs> yeah okay and this person realizes that he's been seen obviously and takes off because that's not suspicious at all and so they run after him but they get stopped by a police officer officer asking them what's going on why they're running how often do you hear that you like the police officer stops you asking what's going on <laughs> i mean i guess if it's like I guess it could be unnerving if you're like in a crowd of people or there are people that are out in the street or whatever, and then you just see someone running. I'm sure I would think, okay, is the should I be running? Like what what's going on? So I could see maybe people panicking. Yeah. I don't know. But I mean it's not like it's against the law to run. Like <laughs> and you're outside too, so like People can run freely if they want to outside or even like, like they could just be going for a jog for exercise. Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, but we end up finding out that this Claude person had frauded Charles LeBlanc, which is the person that Carson is um, investigating. Um, they end up going to the Louvre museum Um they got Claude's uh, address to his apartment. And then after they go to the museum, they go to his apartment and they get the concierge to tell them that Claude does, in fact, have a brother whose name is Louis. Louis. Or Louis. Um, <laughs> and he's apparently some kind of scientist. And Claude is apparently a forger. Yes. yes. <laughs> um. Someone is living in Claude's old apartment, so they can't go inside it to investigate, um, which is fine because then Carson tells the girls that apparently that night there's going to be a party for them um, put on by Charles LeBlanc and I guess his like business associates. Um, so later that evening, they arrive to the party in a taxi and as Nancy is getting out of the car, it gets rear ended and Nancy hits the pavement. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> and she at least gets checked out somewhat by the doctor. Yes. Thankfully. At the insistence of someone else though. Because at first yeah. she's like, no, 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 I'm fine. No, get medical attention if you need it. <laughs> it's so annoying. Hi. Um, so uh, everyone's okay. Just kind of shaking up some bumps and bruises. Um. Nancy does get looked over uh, by a doctor who just happened to be at the party and um, Nancy's shoulder is sore, but it's not like broken um, or sprained or anything like that. So they are given the opportunity to freshen up and then they go into the party. Um, so they finally get to meet Charles LeBlanc and Nancy can pretty much immediately tell it's going to be tough to get information out of him. Um, so, the girls try to just enjoy themselves a bit and um, they dance with some people. And then George happens to notice that Charles is talking to 
and I am not trying to be politically incorrect, so I'm just going to say what the book says. Um, George notices that Charles is talking to an Arabian man, um, and she overhears Charles saying something about um, this guy should only meet with him when no one else is around. Something's going on secretive. Uh, and then the Arabian man says something about it being almost nine. And then Charles says something about tomorrow and the number 99. There's lots of nines in this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very strange. George sees that Charles is talking to this Arabian man and they're talking about something with 99 and tomorrow and Charles is kind of flustered to see this man there. George overheard him saying something about um, he shouldn't be there when other people are there, that they should only meet when it's just the two of them. So something's going on. So uh, Nancy is dancing um, with someone there at the party and she decides she wants to try to go after this Arabian man, but he notices her looking at him and of course takes off. So Nancy and um, her dance partner try to go after him outside, um, but he takes off and gets into a car. And as he's getting into the car, he takes off the turban that he's wearing and is a disguise. And it was Louie. Mm-hmm. So uh, Nancy, realizing he got away, goes back into the party and tries to find out some more, more information um, from the people that threw the party, but she's not able to learn very much. Um, and then it was around that time that Carson said it was time for them to go. And so they all said their goodbyes. And Charles said, you know, he wanted to see them again and that he was going to be working the next day. And so Nancy wonders if he's either going to meet Louis early or later on, maybe somewhere out in the countryside somewhere. So they all get back to the hotel and um, Nancy tells them everything that happened. And they wonder if maybe Charles is being blackmailed because he apparently had just really uh, received a large sum of money in cash. So that would make sense. Um, So the next morning they meet Carson for breakfast and he's reading the newspaper and the headline says that Charles had been robbed last night of thousands of dollars because of course. Of course he did. Um, so Nancy, uh, under the impression of calling his office to make sure he's okay, calls just to see if he's still there. And he did uh, go into work. He's just busy and couldn't come to the phone. Um, so Carson mentions, uh, to his partners about getting a detective to watch over Charles to make sure that he's okay. And they like that idea. Um, The girls did some shopping and sightseeing, and then later on that night, they went to Charles's office to relieve the detective that was watching over him. And shortly after they kind of swapped, uh, Charles leaves the office and Nancy decides to try going to Claude's old apartment since there's a possibility that Charles could be heading there to potentially meet Louis. Um, So they get there and they wait for a while. Charles never shows up. So they go out to eat, and then after that, they went to Charles's house to see if he made it home safely. 
And this is where it's kind of weird for me. I, I mean, I understand that they're trying to watch out for this guy, but like they sneak around his property and they split up and yeah, they straight up trespass. And even Carson is like, we trespassed. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's very strange the way that they did it, but you know, not going to ask any questions. Um, so Bess got spooked by the dummy when her and George were walking around yeah. and all I could, th- I even wrote it down. All I could think of was the punching dummy from Silence Spy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, Bess and George split up. Nancy and Carson are together. And so Nancy and Carson come like around the back of the property and they somehow heard Charles on the phone through an open window and he was telling someone, you know, the money was stolen, almost kind of like he was having an argument. Um, and something about people showing suspicion about what's going on and that he's going to have to be more careful. Uh, it sounds like he just wants to lay low, um, but he says something about going to the Orange Garden. Um, or they the, 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 really, the really fancy French name is what, the Lorangerie or something. Yeah, yeah we'll go with that. Because <laughs> I can't pronounce it. I don't even know if I said it right. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds right to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Carson and Nancy have no idea where that is. But based on the way that Charles is acting, it doesn't seem like he's going to go that night. So, you know, that's a problem for another day. Um, so around this time, they decide to leave because he's safe. You know, it doesn't seem like anything else is going to happen. So they start making their way to where they left the car, but they realize that the gate they went through is locked and the guard dog that Charles has is barking. So they're trying to figure out how they're going to get over this fence and they see Bess and George coming running towards them and the dog barking is getting louder by the second. So, thankfully, they all make it over the wall, but the dog does tear part of Carson's pants. <laughs> but why otherwise, they're okay. Yeah, why did nobody, like, hear the dog barking and come out and say, oh, there are people on my property? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's a big dog. That, I think they said it was a Mastiff. Mastiff, yeah, those are huge. I was literally just talking about Mastiffs today and how big they are. Because my yeah. next-door neighbor used to have a bull Mastiff. And I was just telling the story, unrelated, but my dog at the, like, I got her, like, this, like, little... I mean, they were, like, a birthday cake. It was probably, like, the size of, like, like two hockey pucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was a tiny dog. And it was her first birthday. So we made, like, a dog-friendly birthday cake. She has this little teeny tiny piece. The Mastiff ate the rest of it in one bite. Like, that's how big these things are. Yeah. So imagine yeah. that coming at you. And nobody in the house is like, oh, our guard dog is guarding something. Yeah. Like, that's, that's weird. Because I, I feel like, you know, like you said, it's a big dog. So yeah. if the dog's alert, I feel like it's probably okay to go ahead and come out and see what's going on. But even the, when the dog did come outside when, like, when it, from Bess's and George's point of view, there was a woman, like, holding his leash. Yeah. Yeah. And so she, I don't know what was going on, like, why she didn't at least come. Yeah. Very weird. Um, so the next day... The girls are going out to um, uh, Marie and Monique's house um, to stay at the the chateau. Um, and Carson has some news. Uh, Chief McGinnis caught the thief on stilts, 
and it was someone who was paid by James Chase, a.k.a. Claude. Um, and then there was another message from Mrs. Blair that she had had another 99 steps dream, but in the dream she was a child and she was with her governess, which I guess is like a nanny mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and the governess in her dream put a blindfold over her eyes for a game named Blind Man's Bluff. I've never <laughs> heard of that. So I don't know what that is. Huh? Dead Man's Bluff or something? I'm not sure. I don't think I've ever heard of it. Yeah, I'd never heard of it. There's a movie called Dead Man's Bluff. <laughs> oh, really? It's, yeah. It's a, apparently it's like a Russian movie, though, that came <laughs> out in 2005. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but Mrs. Blair did get another clue from um, that diary. The governess's name was... Um, Manon, Mrs. Manon. Menno. Sure, we'll go with that. I, I think it is that because there was a person on Great British Bake Off that that was her first name and that's how she pronounced it. <laughs> I, I ended up searching Blind Man's Bluff and it's it's a variant of tag in which the player who is it is blindfolded. The, the traditional name of the game is Blind Man's Bluff where the word buff is used in its older sense of a small push. Interesting. How I feel like that's a dangerous way to play tag. It sounds like Marco Polo kind of though. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. That pretty much is what Marco Polo is just in a pool. Yeah. So I'm reading the gameplay too now and it's like blind man's buff is played in a spacious area such as outdoors or in a large room in which one player designated as it is blindfolded and gropes around attempting to touch the other players without being able to see them while the other players scatter and try to avoid the person who is it hiding in plain sight and sometimes teasing them to influence them to change direction when the it players catches someone the caught player becomes it and the catcher flees from them and i'm reading this off of wikipedia so it essentially does sound like marco polo Yeah, yeah. I hate that it said use the word grope though. I know that like that's so weird. Like, why would they have that in the description? (laughs) Uh at this point the girls head out to the chateau and they end up going past the Palace of Versailles. Um, and so they eventually get to the chateau and it's described as being very pretty. And they have a dog named Fifi. I love Fifi. And uh, the girls are shown around, and then um, Marie and Monique's parents um, get told, like, everything that's happened, everything that's going on with Mrs. Blair's case. And they say that there is an orange orchard at the Palace of Versailles, and there are, like, a hundred steps that are there. So the girls think that, you know, it's worthwhile to check out. You never know. This could be something leading them in the right direction. So the girls go to the palace and they find the orchard and they start counting the steps and they see on the 99th step that there is a black chalk mark M9. Mr. Nine, maybe. Mm -hmm. So the girls decide to kind of look around um, like the grounds of the palace and all to kill time in case Charles ends up coming by after work. So 
they go around and look in some of the rooms and stuff in the palace. And then after a while, they go back outside to that orchard and wait. And George gets restless because that seems to be what George does. Um, And so she starts climbing the steps again. And when she gets to that 99th step, the M9 is gone. Seems strange. And then all of a sudden, a door in the palace opens and a cane with a hook on it came out and went around George's neck and pulled her into the palace. And then the door closed. That was the most, the strangest thing to picture in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very strange. Uh, so Nancy goes and like knocks on the door, but it was locked. She goes around to the front part of the palace and a guard tells her that they've closed down for the day but she tried to explain what was going on and so he kind of reluctantly let her in she couldn't find george anywhere so of course the guard thinks that she's lying and tries to make her leave but nancy finds a shirt button on the floor as proof that george was taken in there so they go from room to room when all of a sudden they see another man which confuses the guard because he said that he was the only one that was working and that he hoped that the man didn't try to steal something. And then the guy takes off. It's very weird. Um, so they keep searching and they eventually get to Louis XIV's room and George was there asleep on the bed. That's not weird at all. No. Like what is happening? This is so weird. And the way they, I didn't, I think it's like she passed out because the cane like went around her neck. Yeah. So did she like immediately passed out and this person carried her? That's what, like how she explained it in a little bit where it's like, as soon as the cane got around her neck, she, they pulled her backwards and she essentially fell asleep because it, like she went unconscious. Yeah. So. That's also terrifying. Yeah. Like this like vaudeville cane that you think is funny and all of a sudden she's like dead on the floor basically. Yeah. It's very weird. Um, so the guard goes and gets a doctor and a couple police officers are there and they reported what happened. George gets checked out and she's totally fine, but just needs to rest. And then she realizes that there's a note in her pocket and it says, you girls mind your own business or grave consequences will come to you. Signed by the Red King. So why is it that Nancy is so insistent on George seeing a doctor, but Usually, Nancy's friends are not that insistent when Nancy has to, it's supposed to get checked out by a doctor. I mean, that's true. Yeah. That's true. But, I mean, Nancy's so headstrong, she's always just like, I'm totally fine. Just walk it off. They probably are so used to her saying no, that they just gave up. Yeah. But still, that would, like, we've said it before, where it actually bugs me, where Nancy, something really bad can happen, and, like, to her head. Mm-hmm. she doesn't wake up the next day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. Yeah, very dangerous. Something like that happens. You need to go get checked out, even mm-hmm. if you feel okay. Yep. Um, so Nancy explains what all has happened to these police officers. And they say that they're going to investigate and try to figure out what's going on. And so, you know, enough action for the day. The girls decide to head back to... Uh, Marie and Monique's house Um, and then the next morning they decide to go and see where Mrs. Blair grew up as a child 
Um, so they get to the house that she grew up in and they talk to the current residents that live there now. Um, and they were really intrigued about the dreams that Mrs. Blair is having, but they don't really have any kind of explanation for what it could be about or what I'm, could be triggering it. Sorry to kind of butt in a little bit. <laughs> Fine. So it said that Josette and Mrs. Bardot were sisters, right? Yeah. So wouldn't you think that they would would have lived in the same house if they're close in age? Does it say their age difference, though? It doesn't, but it, I was kind of thinking that they're somewhat close enough in age, you know? Yeah. But I was just kind of confused by that. Yeah, that's, that's a good, a good point. point. They don't really, it doesn't seem like, I know they are sisters, but it doesn't feel like. I think that it kind of implies that Josette is early-ish or, well, late, mid to late 30s, maybe early 40s. Okay. Maybe. I could be wrong. I mean, that, no, that's a good question. I, I don't know. Yeah. It is kind of weird. I kind of forgot they were sisters, to be honest. Because it yeah. didn't. She didn't seem to know much about her sister's dreams or any of that. Yeah, it seems like the there's not a very close relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe they were close when they were younger, but then as they got older, they kind of. I mean, one was in America, too, so that probably didn't help. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, apparently, the governess that Mrs. Blair had when she was younger randomly had shown up at the house five years prior to this because um, she had lost touch with Mrs. Blair and, you know, wanted to try to get in touch with her. But the current residents didn't have a way of getting in touch with her, knew she wasn't there anymore, but didn't know where she had ended up. And turns out that... The governess had married a Louis Aubert. How do you say it? Aubert. Aubert. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, what a small freaking world. Yep. That the governess married this character. <sighs> so, at this point, the family that lives in that house now, um, their maid came out and said that she knew... Louis, uh, because he was apparently a teacher in, how do you say it? Where? Orleans. Orleans, Orleans. Orleans? Sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm just taking a guess here. I don't know. <laughs> I do apologize if we say it. <laughs> the way that you're pronouncing it sounds good to me, and I'm yeah. totally okay with going with it. Yes. Or it's like, because it has the accent on, like, with the E. Yeah. And it's like, Orléans. I don't know. Orléans. In America, it's Orleans. Or Orleans, but Orleans is correct. Yeah. That's definitely not French. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, just kept re I just kept reading uh, New Orleans, and I'm like. Yes, exactly. That's not right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Uh, when the girls went on this trip, they decided to pack a, a night bag just in case. Um, so uh, they go uh, and they start learning about some of the history of that area, including Joan of Arc. Mm -hmm. Several pages of that, which there was a lot. It was kind of weird, but I think back to all these other stories that we've read so far, like the secret in the old lace, when we learned all about how lace is made. So I 
feel like it's kind of the same concept of the games where they're trying to teach you something. Yeah. And I and it wasn't even just so the, there was the Joan of Arc thing, but then when they were at Versailles, they talked a lot about the history. Uh-huh. When they were at like the Louvre, they talked about the art. When they were even before when they're in Notre Dame, they talked about the architecture and yeah. the gargoyles. I didn't and I also I learned about the gargoyles, how it was like actually like a water fountain, and that's why they're called gargoyles because they gargoyles. Yeah. I didn't know that. I learned something new. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I think, yeah, they're just trying to pepper in stuff, which is, I, I liked that. Yeah. Um, But it also does take you a little bit off base because you're like, okay, why am I talking about Joan of Arc for three pages in this, like, 150-page book? Yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden, there was a parade that was coming, and Nancy asked someone where she could find Louis. And lo and behold, he apparently is the band leader in this parade. Because that's just how things work in Nancy's world. Um, everything just comes together. And then, uh, once again, Nancy has to come in and save the day because there was a little boy that jumped onto the Joan of Arc statue so that he could see the parade better. But, of course, he lost his grip and was going to fall. And... Nancy caught him because apparently that's her other job besides solving mysteries is saving children. Like, and I feel like in almost every book, Nancy saves a kid from something. <laughs> in the last several that we've read, yes. Yeah, at least and in the last three or four. Uh, and there's always a dog involved mm-hmm. somehow with like yeah. getting hurt or a guard dog mm-hmm. or something. And like, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, almost every time. Um, and so, and and another thing, confidentiality. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Like in the next soon, Nancy literally asks one of the band people, part of the band, where Obeyer lives. Yeah. Oh yeah, and they just tell him. Yeah. Like just oh there you go. This is his address. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Um, so Nancy saves the boy, everything's okay, but in all the commotion of that, they ended up missing the whole band. Um, they had heard that, uh, Louis's wife was somewhere around the parade route, but she was gone by that time too. Um, like you said, someone in the crowd gave Nancy their address, but said that they wouldn't be back until later in the day. So the girls decided to kill some time, do some sightseeing again. Um, they then run into, uh, the guy that Nancy had danced with at the party, Henri. Hey, you said it a French way this time. <laughs> that good. If it had been with a Y, I'd have just said Henry. Yeah. <laughs> you know. um, he's there, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, once again, everything works out in Nancy's world. That's just how it is. Yeah. We should, I'm just throwing this out there, Candace, for... <laughs> like clothing wise it some t-shirts or something should be like nancy's world <laughs> yeah that's true i mean everything somehow she'll find a random person in a crowd who is either related to who she's looking for or just knows them just by happenstance i mean yeah like how did that made at that chateau it's like oh yeah that's the teacher in orland orleans whatever it's called yeah how yeah. Everything just falls into place. And it's like, have you ever heard of the saying, this person knows someone who knows someone who knows someone? It's like, that's literally Nancy. She's like, Nancy knows someone who knows a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy. Or yeah. a girl, or a girl, or a girl. And like, <laughs> it's true. 
It's true. Um, so uh, Nancy decides to go with this guy since he was in town to do uh, run an errand for his father. And another um, side note: Have you ever noticed that when Nancy gives the keys to Bess and George to for one of them to drive, it's always George? Yeah, it is. Like, obviously, I think the best has driven, like, sometimes, but I feel like it's mostly George that does it. Yeah, and, I mean, you know, not to be a knock towards best, but it's, like, when push comes to shove and things are serious, I feel like, obviously, George is more likely to be the calm one in the situation. Yeah. yeah. So, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. You know? Um. So, Nancy goes uh, with... Henri while he's doing whatever errand it is that he's doing for his father and then they're like apparently in a canoe doing this and then he gets told that he apparently has a phone call from his father that he has to take like right away and so Nancy waits for him and a boat bumps into the canoe that Nancy's in and it's some like creepy bearded man who threatens her and then slaps her and she falls into the water he was like he slapped her so hard that's really what it said. Like, like what? Then she, she like almost she like passed out a little bit, or like it was weird. Like it was yeah. that hard of a smack. Yeah. Yeah. So weird. Um, and that is where my notes leave off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I do have to also add in that I respect that everywhere she almost everywhere she goes, Nancy somehow finds a man to help her with her bidding. <laughs> or at least take her on a date. Nancy's one popular girl. She yeah. is. She, she dances with this. Oh, oh, I clicked the wrong button. Sorry. Oh, uh, she dances with this guy. She has him like tout her around town. Mm-hmm. For her, I respect that. Yeah, do your thing, girl. Get the job done. Oh man. Okay, I'll try to keep us going. Yeah, I have no. I have no promises. <laughs> throwing it out there right now. So, Nancy, luckily, she when she hits the water, she is she does kind of wake up a little bit, so she doesn't totally drown. Uh, Henry comes out of the building, and he sees Nancy in the water. She He goes to save her. Um, then he tells Nancy, like, it wasn't actually his dad that called. It was just a ruse to get Nancy alone, essentially. Um, and so then... We end up going back, and they're actually at the boat place, right, Bree? Yes. Where all this stuff happens, I think. That's when they found out that the phone call was fake. I don't know how they eventually get to where they need to go with Aubert's house. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at the book, too. Like I'm getting, looking for it here now. So then eventually Nancy ends up going back to the hotel to get cleaned up. Um, Bess and George joke around that Henry or Henry pushed her into the water, but they sobered up quick because of after Nancy told them the story. Then the friends ended up going to Lewis's house and somehow, I feel like in every book almost, they tend to find a bungalow of sorts. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. 
Um, but when they get to the address, it's not the Louis and the governess that they're looking for. It's a different couple with the same name, like last name. Mm-hmm. Um, but luckily, uh, Mr. Aubert, he's a chemist and he has like all this sciencey stuff that he explains the science stuff, the nine reference and how all that kind of works together. And very rarely, I even wrote it down, do you see portable chalkboards anymore? Because he brings out a portable chalkboard to kind of explain all this stuff. (laughs) Give him a little lesson. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then the friend, when the, the group got back to the Bardot home the next day, Mrs. Bardot said that Fifi disappeared. Yeah, Somehow. I love Fifi. I love how pampered she was, how she had her own bed. Yeah. It was like such a fancy bed, too. I, feel I know, like. but I was when I was reading it, I was like, I feel like they're kind of making fun of this, like dog being pampered. But like nowadays, that's so adorable. Yeah, <laughs> I would if I had a dog, I'd pamper the dog. Um, I was confused to go a little bit backwards. I was so confused with the fake Obear, like the. The guy is has the same name, but yeah. he got the letters of the Obear they're looking for because yeah. they both happened to live in the same town. But it yeah. wasn't clear that the Obear we're looking for lived in Orleans. I felt like we only thought he lived in Orleans because the maid was like, oh, he's a school teacher there. But that's fi- that's the fake Obear that they're not looking. It's so confusing. And now that you mentioned that that's true, it's like it doesn't say that the the Aubert that we're looking for actually lives in Orleans. Yeah, because so he was like, getting the letter. Yeah, the one that they went to his house, he was like, oh, I've happened to get some of his letters because and, people around town know me and we live in the same town. Yeah. And he would, he opened all of the, like, the weird letters that weren't meant for him and he would had all these, like, different symbols and stuff, so that's yeah. why they went into, like, the lesson, essentially. So, like, yeah, I don't I didn't totally understand that either. Yeah. Fifi's <laughs> yeah. um, yeah, gone. Fifi's <laughs> gone. They're, Mrs. Bardot was obviously really worried. So they they all split up, look around the house. Uh, Nancy goes up to the tower, and eventually that's where she finds Fifi, but she's unconscious. Um. So then the police are called. The vet is called to, you know, make to check everything out. Um, but it was just let that said, let Fifi sleep it off. She got like some kind of like needle or something to not have her bark at like the intruders essentially. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, but that's just seems to the an extreme, essentially, you know. Then the as the vet was leaving, the cops were coming in and I got the vibe the French police didn't like that Nancy is a detective and can help solve mysteries and stuff. No. And Bess and George were like, Nancy, solve the mystery faster than that. (laughs) So then as the cops and the Bardos went to look at stuff, Nancy figured out how the intruder got in, all that stuff. We find out Mrs. Bardot's gold jewelry was stolen. Some of them were heirlooms. 
as well as some golden baby cups and spoons were all taken. Hmm. And so they, the, this person must have known exactly where these things were so they didn't have to look around the whole house. Or maybe they did and they just were lucky and they ended up finding these items. Not very clear. Yeah. Then we learn that um, Mr. LeBlanc was ended up buying uncut diamonds and said that his company was going to close in a month when this is when nancy was talking with carson and that claude he was still in jail and he ended up mumbling some words like in french and the guard couldn't understand it and like okay where could this be leading so as the Bardos were going to go take off looking for, I guess, in which part were they going? To the, like, look at the, the Louvres and stuff, I think it was. Uh, I don't remember where the Bardos are going. I just know the girls were going to. The sh- girls were going, yeah. To Shamlo, Shamlo, or Shamlo. Where is this? The Sham something. As the girls were going, like, Nancy, go ahead, Brie, what were you going to say? I was going to say, yes, now I remember. The girls were going to Shumlord in the car. The Bardos are staying home. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And Nancy, as she was trying to, like, hit the brake, the regular brake and the emergency brake were not working. And the, the girls almost got into an accident with an oncoming car. Mm-mm. And the oncoming car luckily swerved out of the way in time, but he got really mad at Nancy's. Like, are you crazy? Like, why did you almost cause us to crash? <laughs> but Nancy tried to like apologize, but like he wouldn't listen. So they somehow managed to get back to the house, and the Bardot saw everything that happened. Luckily, everything was okay, but the rental car that nancy was using won't be able to get fixed right away it'll take a little bit of time so the bardos let the girls use their car so then they use the girls use the bardos car set off and they went to the chateau and apparently it has i haven't wrote it down 440 rooms 13 large staircases and a stall for 1,200 horses. Holy crap. <laughs> and they got there just as it was closing, so they couldn't do, like, the official, like, tour with everyone else. And so as the friends are, like, walking out on the sidewalk, they Bess is like, oh, I feel funny, like, we're being watched. And they are being followed by two boys. Nancy got this idea to go into a pharmacy and the two boys followed her in the pharmacy. Creepy. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So Nancy's trying to get information from the pharmacist about like chemistry and all this stuff, but like he can't help her really. So the boys end up leaving. Nancy goes outside and then she's watching the boys and they're trying to, they're debating like, do we keep following them? Do we not? So they take off. That's done. 
As the girls were getting into their car, they end up seeing Mr. LeBlanc race past them. Like, mm -hmm. where, where is he going? What's going on? <laughs> where did he come from? Yeah, it's another question. So the girls are following him and there's this curve coming up. LeBlanc doesn't slow down, but the girls do. And as soon as the girls come around the corner, like they don't see him anymore. Yeah, so I feel like he had like a fancy sports car or something. He must have. Yeah. So they keep going. The first place that they find, they're like, no, this isn't it. They turn around and they find another area. So they decide to walk and check it out. And so as they're going down, I think it was at the first place, I think they're like, they see this seem like a boy in an art in a suit of armor. Yeah. Well, they saw like the suit of armor and this knight, like a legit knight. Not at first I was like, oh, it's just a suit of armor. Why are they scared? And then he, they said he started moving and he had a sword. He's like yeah. waving it around. <laughs> it's like a 12 year old boy. Yeah. Like and he just goes there to like hang out and pretend he's a knight. Like <laughs> why? Yeah. <laughs> and so, so him and the girls, they're talking and they, that's when they leave and go check out the other ruin. And and the boy's name was Pierre. So as the girls are exploring the second place, they could hear singing. And it could be the governess, Lucille Menon. Yeah. I don't know why they automatically knew it was her. Yeah. Like, how did they automatically go to that? Yeah. They're just like, oh, yeah, it's got to be the governess. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they just roll with it. <laughs> so... Then they, Bess, and, Bess is like, I'm scared. I'm not going down these steps. So Nancy and George go down below. And they're like, they told Bess, if there's anything, like if you see anyone, just give the bird call, then we'll hide. So Nancy and George find this lab. And so when they heard the bird call, they obviously hid. And they saw LeBlanc come in and talk to... The Arabian man. So, as like the Arabian, he's just putting on this show for LeBlanc. George was kind of like leaning forward so much that she almost gave away hers and Nancy's hiding spot. And like, I feel like that's more of a best move than anything. Yep. Aw. <laughs> but best. <laughs> or best. But, Luckily, Nancy, though, pulls George back. So, she, you know, they're still hiding. And we see that the Arabian is fooling LeBlanc with, like, switching out some of the materials that are being used. And so LeBlanc leaves. The Arabian leaves. Nancy and George leave then. Go get Bess. And Nancy's like, I need to get in touch with Carson. I need to tell him what's going on. So then we can kind of all be on the same page. Nancy has tried so many times to get in touch with Carson, but she's not able to. And then she finds out that uh, Carson is staying with LeBlanc at his house. So Nancy finally gets in touch with Carson, tells 
him and LeBlanc to come to the Bardot house to talk about a plan that she's come up with. Then Nancy asks the Bardos to send the servants away so that they, they don't hear their Nancy's plan because she doesn't know if any of the servants are working with Bardot. So then, um, then we learn from the Nancy tells uh, LeBlanc everything that's been going on. Uh, LeBlanc comes clean. He's like the 9th, 18th, 27th of each month is important with new secrets, all this new stuff coming out, essentially. Yeah. And um, he basically, I feel like he was trying to, he's being selfish because he didn't want to like lose money. And he thought that the value of gold was going to go down because people could create gold. Yeah. Like he's not the brightest bulb on the tree if he actually thought that was real, but. Yeah. Now it explains why he was being all weird. Yeah. And then um, we learn. Then so the next day, Nancy, George, Bess, Carson, LeBlanc, and a, some cops. They go to the secret uh, place. Um, the Arabian man knows that LeBlanc went to the Bardos and knows like there's a whole group of them there. Um, the Arabian takes off, locks the door, and the whole group is inside. During all of this, LeBlanc collapsed on the ground and <laughs> and Bess had to use some perfume she had in her bag to <laughs> Get him to wake up again. Does that kind of stuff actually work? Like smelling like salt or whatever? I don't know. It must. I'm guessing I it does. I guess it depends on why you, why you pass out. It's so weird. Yeah. I don't really get why he passed out. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> so then the he LeBlanc wakes up. The cops get the door open they catch the cops catch the arabian man and the mystery woman and carson kind of tells nancy just hold on the cops are getting the bad guys stay here and you can tell that nancy's annoyed that she wasn't able to go with the cops to get the bad guys and so then we learn that the arabian man is actually Obear, the woman is his wife, which was the essentially the nanny. Yeah, who was singing? Still yeah, don't know she why. Was, she was singing. We don't know why. Who knows? Just felt like it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, then we learn that um, the things happening in River Heights was Claude. The stuff happening in Paris was Louis. Um, and Josette, we learn, like, with all these nightmares, is, was actually when she was a child, and her, and Miss Manon, she brought, she was having a secret relationship, essentially, with Louis, and she was dismissed from being the governess, because the, ben her boss is, I don't know why I'm blanking right now, anyway, <laughs> They dismissed her. Because it didn't make sense. 
I don't get it. Like, I feel like she just got fired because she was, like, dating somebody. Yeah. Like, that was kind of it. Yeah. And so she was fired. She married Louie. And they had played blind man's buff. Like, essentially. And um, and it all started when they, they went to the lab. All that happened. And the 99 steps. That's how the 99 steps came into it, too. Then um, Mrs. Bardot's golden pieces were found in the Arabian turbans. And... Um, the governess, she had to go taken in, get taken in for questioning, too. Just, you know, she said that I didn't have anything to do with it. I'm innocent. All this. And so everyone was leaving. Nancy's like, I'm going to be last. And everyone was like, she wants to be last to close out the case of the 99 steps. <laughs> so, it was that's so essentially. Yeah. It was confusing, too. So I was confused why the steps, or, yeah, the story with the steps and Mrs. B- Miss Blair, or Mrs. Blair, and that whole nightmare or dream thing had anything to do with the actual, like, the finance, like, LeBlanc. I know. I guess, like, maybe it had to do with, like, where they were doing all the dealings and stuff. Yeah, I feel like they just used it as a tactic to, like, scare Nancy off. Because he kept saying, oh, well, I knew Carson was investigating them and that you were going to come, too. So I was trying to scare you off from coming. But it just happened to be that it was connected to their neighbor who happened to be. I don't It was just so weird. It just didn't make any sense to me. Yeah, like, I didn't really understand it either. Yeah. Oh, well. (laughs) <laughs> but they solved it <laughs> as yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I am glad about is that Nick Carson, Bess and George essentially forced Nancy to do sightseeing instead of just being focused on the mystery the whole time mm-hmm. you know yeah that's good because I feel like you know she goes to these places and doesn't take advantage yeah, no. She's been to the best places in the world and she just couldn't tell you anything outside of the mystery. No, no nothing. Because yeah. she's just so, like, laser-focused. Mm-hmm. But... Oh, man. I feel like this was one of the more convoluted going-in-circles kind of mystery yeah. that yeah. we've encountered so far, at least. Yeah, there was a lot going on. And every chapter ended in some sort of cliffhanger, even if it didn't need to. Mm -hmm. So that made it more confusing. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like other books that we've read, not necessarily every chapter there was some kind of cliffhanger. Yeah. I mean, I think there should be a good balance. Yeah. This one, every single chapter ended with an exclamation point. Yeah. (laughs) And a lot of just weird stuff that happens. Yeah, like even that when they like, accidentally fell into the girl on the stairs or she accidentally pushed them that was like a cliffhanger which was so stupid and had nothing to do with the story no at all yeah i don't know it was weird yeah like if i'm being honest this one wasn't really my favorite one to read no 
Not in comparison to some of the other really good ones that we've read. Yes. Yeah. I thought it was well. going to be good, too, because it was like, oh, they're going to Paris. That'll be... But the first, like, quarter of the book, they're not even there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Which, I mean, we've read books lately. Like, there was one. I couldn't tell you which one it was. But it was to a for like, a foreign location. And it was, like less than a quarter of the book left and it she was in, in there or istanbul yeah yeah the, the mysterious mannequin there. mannequin yes yes mm-hmm. yeah took forever for her to finally get there and it's like oh my god and then it was almost like scrambling to like put a bow on everything and make it make sense at the end yeah the ending of that one too was weird it was very weird it, it just felt too rushed from that one because mm-hmm. I don't get that vibe from a lot of them, but that one, it it was weird. That one seemed, like, obviously, we said it before where a lot of these books, obviously, the last two or three chapters, they're obviously rushing to put all the pieces together, all that stuff. But that, like, the Mysterious Mannequin was, like, overly rushed. Yeah. Finished was. too quick. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Like, this but, one rushed, but it wasn't, it was not so much that it was rushed at the end, it just didn't all makes sense mm-hmm. yeah. it just didn't connect also again and they talked about Bess and eating like a lot mm-hmm. but the food did kind of sound a little bit gross when she was like I'm not gonna eat that and I was like yeah I feel you yeah mm-hmm. I I even wrote that down too I'm like this French food like obviously the French people are used to it but I'm like I wouldn't really want to eat it yeah <laughs> Brie where can our listeners find you uh, you can find me on Instagram at the OG Bragyar. I'm sure you'll put it in the show notes because it's hard to spell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Candace, what's happening next time? Is it the clue in the crumbling wall? We're recording like a month early, guys. <laughs> We're hoping next week it will be Game 26, Tomb of the Lost Queen. Oh, yeah. But we're working on that, so... Stay tuned. It, that might come up next week. Might not. We'll see. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we're still trying to nail down a day because of, like, the holiday, Easter and stuff. I forgot we were doing that. Yeah. It, it's so hard when we're recording out of order. Yeah. I can never remember what goes next. Something good. Yeah. <laughs> it, it'll be something. Yeah. You'll Some, get something. <laughs> So stay tuned for some kind of danger with Nancy. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a pretty safe explanation of it. Yeah. It might be the game. It might be crumbling wall. We'll see. It will definitely be crumbling wall at some point in the near future. So you can, you know, count on that at least. Yeah. <laughs> Bree, thank you again for coming on with us. It was so fun having you. You can always find us on Instagram at River Heights Buzz. You can find us um, on Facebook in our Facebook group. You can email us at riverheightsbuzz at gmail.com. And you can find us on Twitter at River Heights Buzz with just one Z. We'll see everyone next time. (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye.